0: Welcome to the Preachers Podcast for Proper Nine in Year A. We started a new series last week, Define Christian. We are thinking about what it means to be a Christian. And rather than listening to all the ideas out there in the world, we're listening to Jesus himself as he talks about aspects of being a Christian and what it means to follow him and be his disciple. Uh, Before we get started, let's meet our participants for today. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Uh, With us for this series are Pastor Andrew Miller from Beautiful Savior in Las Vegas and Pastor Tom Unkey from Shepherd of the Hills in Las Vegas. And also with us today is Professor Joel Otto from the Seminary. So thanks to all of you for serving today. Um, Andy Miller, let's uh, talk a a little bit about the series, um, or excuse me, the week that we're in, and how it fits into the series. Could you say a few words about the theme of the week?
1: Sure, thank you, and uh, thankful to be with you brothers again. Earlier in Matthew 11, Jesus delivered the woe. He more or less called John the Baptist a mensch among boys in kingdom work. No one greater than John the Baptist had come up, Jesus said, not among those born of women. And yet, Even with John's dynamic ministry, the needle really didn't move enough. The masses neither danced for the flute or mourned for the dirge. And so Jesus slapped a lukewarm label on an entire generation. And we all know how grim that kind of label is. Jesus similarly ripped Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum with woes because they stubbornly ignored his calls for repentance. So the gospel for our sermon shifts our focus from what I would call woe to woo. Perhaps, you know, if Jesus had taken the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment, one of his top strengths would have been woo on that day. But what comes to mind, of course, are St. Augustine's famous words, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And so if you're actually repentant, Jesus is the dude. This gospel, in an especially sweet and simple way, woos restless
0: souls to Christ. Thank you. great summary. Um, and uh, let's go next to Tom, Unky. To talk a little bit about the first and second readings today, uh, before we get into the gospel, which will be our sermon text, Tom, could you just uh, summarize the first and second reading and and show us how they connect?
2: Sure. Um, Obviously, the gospel, the focal point is going to be all about "Come to me, and I will give you rest." And so that word, you know, that's a focal point in the Old Testament religion of Sabbath and Shabbat and it remains the focal point of the new Testament that we have that in the gospel. So when you go back to the first reading of Exodus 33, 12 to 23, you have Moses saying, you know, who's going to go up with me. And, you know, if we're going to leave this place at Sinai, I can't go alone. We can't do this without you. And basically, and the Lord said, my presence will go with you and I will give you Shabbat. I will give you rest. Um, So obviously he's not saying, you know, every night we're going to, make sure we get good sleep, he's saying, I'm going to provide for you the security and the peace that your heart is craving as you go to this this, uh, terribly unknown future. But I'm there with you all all along. So there's gospel in that, not necessarily uh, Messiah gospel, but gospel of God's presence. And that brought Moses the confidence that he needed. I will give you that rest with my presence. Then you jump to Romans 7, where we have that very familiar frustrated statement of Paul, uh, 15 to 25 is the reading Romans 7, 15 to 25, um, struggle between the old Adam and the new man waging war within us. And then he declares what a wretched man I am and, uh, has the privilege by faith of answering his own question, you know, who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. And he expresses that, oh, Freedom and rest and joy from the frustration. And you know, I was talking Bible class about how I'm convinced that the most exciting thing that we will experience when we get to heaven initially is just to be able to go, the struggle is over within me. I don't fight myself anymore. I don't fight that sinful nature. I I can be at complete peace in not having that within me. So it all has to do with, of course. God stepping in and rescuing us, even Psalm 62, um, if you want to look at that, just an absolutely beautiful psalm of just uh, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my refuge, I wait on him, I hope in him, I trust in him, it's just all about the faith in the things that God gives as a gift. So um, this obviously this whole thing is going to be about repentance that leads to the glorious rest in Christ.
0: Right. Find rest in God alone, Psalm 62, right? Uh, Fits really well with uh, the words of Jesus we'll be thinking about. Well, let's get into that then, uh, the gospel for the week, um, which will serve as the sermon text that is suggested for this series. And uh, Joel Otto, could you just say a few words uh, to get us thinking about the sermon text? We're assuming guys have done a a text study at this point, but um, some further food for thought uh, to move us along as we uh, work on preaching this text
3: sure John um kind of interesting, andy mentioned you know that he had Jesus had just pro- proclaimed this these woes uh, and he does a real quick shift here um, as he goes on then and you know praise you father Lord of heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned from those who have uh, who maybe be trusting their own reason their own intellect their own ideas on how to please God and he says it's been revealed to little children to those who despair of their of their own um, intelligence and their own efforts and, and that's kind of leads into that weary and burdened. Um, there's so much actually in this text you got to be careful about about getting off into tangents. You had the mystery of the Trinity, you've got Christology there. Um, but finally it does zero in on that rest and that rest and refreshment. Um, some interesting things I thought that Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father and then he issues the invitation and here i'm here's what i'm giving you I've, I've everything's been given to me and now here's the one thing that you most need as someone who is weary and burdened it's this rest um, and he also says all who are weary and burdened so there's, in case i'm someone who thinks my sins are too great or i or i've, I've i'm too lost jesus says no nope, all of you are are there all are weary all who are weary and burdened he comes to say i give you this rest and it's interesting too all the God, it, God has revealed this. Jesus is giving the rest. You know that who's the subject? Who's who's the subject of the verbs um, that you see throughout this?
0: If you're thinking in terms of the uh, series theme, define Christian. You know, we can put uh, the reading in that context. What what you just mentioned, Joel. Um, God defines Christian in this way that we would not expect, um, yeah, that the, the little children are blessed, the wise and learned who try to figure all this out on their own, who define, maybe want to define, here's what it should mean to follow God or whatever, uh, that definition goes out the window. Um, and instead, this simple trust, uh, right, giving up on your own efforts, Um well, that doesn't really make any sense. But Jesus said, oh, that, that's what being a Christian is. Um, yeah, uh, further thoughts on things you want to bring out in this text, uh, Tom? You
2: know, I love to explore the context. Andy brought that out a lot. And um, so when he's, Jesus is looking at John the Baptist, and then he turns his attention to the audience, if you will, of, of John the Baptist, he said, you know, John came either eating and drinking, And they didn't like that. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking. They didn't like that. Um, Drawing that together with the condemnation of Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum. And Jesus did all these miracles for them. Those miracles they were excited about. But finally, in both sets of people, the people that rejected John and Jesus and then the people in the fishing villages of Galilee, they all had expectations of what God should do for them and who who The Messiah should be for them. And that was not at all who he was. Uh, And that's, I think, at the root of why they ultimately rejected him. He was not somebody who was going to serve their self centered needs, which is why I think Jesus then turns and calls people basically to repentance. Um, The weary and burden comes from trying to climb that ladder of the law all the time. And he's saying, That's not the path, come to me. And uh, the burden that you're carrying, you're in contrition and realizing your sin is going to be, you know, that's the solution. I'm the solution because I can give that rest. So I think that one of the things we have to talk about in the sermon as we write it is expectations of God. What do you expect of him? You know, better life, success theology, or do you really realize just that what the true problem is? It's not because life has dealt you a bad hand. It's because you yourself stand guilty before God. And that's why I think this is a beautiful sermon opportunity to preach on the the entire essence and theological truths of repentance as it comes to uh, the real life living of every Christian.
0: Great. Yeah. And that, that maybe hints at kind of a, if preachers are identifying a malady or a sin problem here, you talked about the uh, wrong expectations of what God is or what following him ought to be. Uh, Andy?
1: Yeah, additionally, contextually, it's I find it very ironic that in chapter 12, now following this, just after Jesus makes this beautiful invitation to find rest in him, what does he have to do immediately afterwards? Explain that he's Lord of the Sabbath. And he's just beside himself that the Pharisees, just like many of the people in chapter 11, were unmoved by any of his teaching or even his miracles. And he, so there's basically a, a double sided coin of malady, uh, you know, not to get too far ahead, but okay, so on the one hand, people are lukewarm and unmoved by. John the Baptist, Jesus or any of the content and substance of their preaching. But on the other hand, when they do begin to take stock of their lives or their spirituality, they look to the wrong solution. They look to themselves, like Tom said, and they just in this text I think just gives us a both a beautiful and also a stark contrast, a chasm between self and Christ, be- between what I think I can know and do with God and what frankly only God can do for us.
3: Great. Joel? Maybe uh, jumping off that, I I commend um, to preachers reading um, Deutschlanders on giving advice to God. He has two devotions in there, and Luther actually has three sermons on this text that you can find in Luther's works. Two of them are in volume 51, and one of them, interestingly enough, was, um, was written in early 1517, so even before the 95 theses. And Yet in there, he, he kind of emphasizes this idea that, um, yeah, the wise and learned who are, who are seeking their rest somewhere else. In Luther's context, it was in you know the monastery or in the indulgences and satisfactions and all that. And, and, he, and he points them to Jesus and the righteousness that's imputed, that the Father has imputed to us, Christ's righteousness that's imputed to us. And um, just that there you're gonna find rest um, Deutschlander kind of brings out it, it's interesting. You know, we'd think we'd want to go to church somewhere where the where there are the powerful and the strong, and yet Jesus says the weak and the weary and burdened come to me, and he is gentle and humble in heart as he issues that invitation. It's the gent- our gentle shepherd uh, wooing us, <laughs> inviting us in. Tom. Joel, I also did some reading in preparation for this, and
2: I read a great Christian author named Joel D. Otto, Living a <laughs> Life of Repentance, <laughs> I found that but that was a well-written article. It's um, just talking about what Luther was talking about on that first uh, of the 95 Theses, you know, the, the joy of living in the peace that comes from repentance, and you talk about the wooing invitation, gospel invitation here. I kind of hear in the back of my mind when I hear Jesus say, you know, come to me, I kind of hear sort of the question that says, why will you die, O Israel? I mean, there's such a simple answer to this. And if you would just come to me, you know, there's a, a bit of a frustration I hear in his voice of just, oh, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you like a hen gathers your chicks. But then there's the clear invitation to those who, by God's grace are given the gift of faith. Like you said, it was God who did all this. And so, uh, yeah, I just, it's greatest invitation. It's such a powerful section of scripture. That's why I love this text. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that, um, that's a great, great connection, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, uh, and with Andy, what, what Andy mentioned about the preceding context here, those who don't, won't dance to anything, uh, that John plays, so to speak, um, when the wise and learned, um, are left to their own devices, uh, they never get it. Um, and that's the same spirit that lurks in us too. Right. I mean, it's just <clears throat> does not make sense. We always go to the law, uh, for us as a solution, but then maybe we're getting into the, the, the gospel too. Uh part of the a- aspect of the gospel in this text is that it's just, it counter, it's counterintuitive, right? Uh, Tom,
2: just picking up on what you were just saying about, the how ingrained the law is, you know, the, there's a right, a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to a destruction that a uh, pineal It shows itself so clearly in the, you know, in the Jewish religion of Christ's time and still today, but the thing that God had intended, you know, the Sabbath to provide rest, not just, you know, take a load off kind of rest, but, you know, spend time focusing on the promise and the peace that comes from that promise Instead of using it for that, they they brought in a whole new batch of laws to observe during that Sabbath time, and and ridiculous laws. You can, I mean, I was reading some of the things that Alfred Adersheim talks about of, of the laws that were put upon them, of how they can, you know, break down the grain on the Sabbath, and and um, that it would be work to, to patch a, a vessel with candle wax on the Sabbath, and modern day, you know, it's They have Sabbath elevators, so you don't push a button on the Sabbath. I mean, instead of celebrating the rest that Jesus offers, they go back to the law, which is characteristic of every human being that doesn't know Christ, and they put in a whole new set of rules for the Sabbath and make it this bigger burden. And I think that was in the woes that Jesus proclaimed upon the the teachers of the law, too. He said you tie up bundles and you burden the people, and you don't even lift a finger yourself to it. I mean, it's all about you putting burdens on the people. Mm -hmm. I think that's what led Jesus to this longing invitation that's in this beautiful gospel. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the the opinion legis that twists even this gift of rest into uh, a new law and making it a burden. Joel?
3: I was just saying, maybe that's something we need to, the preacher might want to call attention to. There's that constant temptation that we have, even as Christians, to add more burdens that to, in, to, to put that yoke to, to create that yoke for ourselves that we think we have to do, 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 um, not realizing it's already done and given, right?
0: Let's uh talk about the, the gospel in this text. Then I think I kind of alluded to what I was thinking um, a minute ago. Um, of course, it's the rest that we find in Jesus, but also kind of that that uh is his definition of Christian, as opposed to what the wise and learned, what we in our own sinful natures of the Opinio Legus would come up with on our own. So this um, message that goes against the grain that uh, the key to everything is the rest that God provides um, rather than the work that we do or accomplish. Um, can, would you guys like to, to flesh that out? How are you going to present the gospel in this text or bring out the uh, the unique flavor of it from this text in different ways. Andy,
1: there's a there's a lot, obviously, a lot of ways you could go. Uh, I really like the springboard that's given at the beginning of the text with the little children reference because you know when you think of a little kid, the issues that they have are usually pretty straightforward. It's either a full diaper an empty stomach, or they're tired. They need more rest. And Jesus straightforwardly promises to provide for our hearts and lives, not only what nothing else can, but if you want to make a comparison, what sleep provides for our bodies, health and strength and calm, and so many other things. And that can dovetail nicely into our taking the beautiful promises of Christ and just you know, emptying the dump truck out on our people in a way. So what I mean is we can actually talk about the cross and the empty tomb and the promise of heaven. And even quite frankly, practically, we can get into baptism, Lord's Supper, the word. You can talk about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, uh, grace, faith, love, mercy, God's attributes, all these things, all these things that from every different angle, like the facets of a diamond will truly comfort us. Uh, shelter us protect us motivate us relieve us just give us rest there there's just a you know a plethora of different things you could do to to illustrate how uh, or to I, I guess to appropriate the gospel
0: even more than just preach it yeah further thoughts on gospel in this text tom um
2: this isn't necessarily exactly how we preach the gospel but I find it interesting in the text that as Jesus calls out to praise his father he says you have hidden these things and I don't know unless I missed it in the context I don't see the you know the whole specific gospel in there he just says these things so he's assuming that uh, we're going to know exactly what he's talking about and uh, as Andy said then that opens the door to preach the gospel in so many ways take him to the cross and see how that rests that he's Providing is, was, came at such a high cost and spent some time in uh, Hebrews 3 and 4, talking about the Sabbath rest. And, um, but I think what's unique to this particular text that I would want to bring out is the contrast between the yoke of the law, which starts with the reality of the guilt of sin and then trying the only way i know how which is to fix it on my own by doing the right things or being the right person and how frustrating that gets that yoke that just keeps dragging people down every false religion hands somebody a list of rules and says here you go but in contrast to that jesus says take my yoke upon you and because my yoke is easy my burden is light and um that's to me is the the second part of repentance is taking hold of the forgiveness that's found there and just being at peace, which is what the heart craves. And the law can't
3: offer it, can't deliver it, but the message of Christ does.
0: Yeah, good thoughts. Joel?
3: To maybe personalize it or individualize. It, I just think of I think we've all had we've all had we all had that member or two or three who just they they just beat themselves up. Um, every little sin just troubles them to no end. Every little problem in life, they figure it's something I did wrong. You know, I got, I'm I'm not getting along with my, my sister somewhere. uh, And it's because I, I must've messed up or something. And you just think that's the person when you're, when you're as a presiding minister, you're, you kind of catch their eye when you're given the absolution or when they come up to communion Uh, maybe you linger just a, just a tad as you're, as you're distributing. And they're the ones you see the tear roll down their eyes because they're they're feeling that they're they're experiencing that refreshment uh, from the means of grace. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which um, I, uh, when I was a kid, we moved to, uh, uh, our family moved and our new church was a big Midwestern church and up on the altar written behind the altar, were strange words that I did not understand. I came to learn that it was Matthew eleven twenty five in German. Uh, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, and you know what a fitting uh, verse to connect with coming to the altar to receive the sacrament. Uh, this is the the point of the sacrament. It's gospel. It's it's Jesus giving rest and peace to burdened consciences and. Um, and guilt laden uh, sinners, uh, Andy. Just on that point, a
1: personal example that was meaningful for my wife and me: we had some health issues come up. I had some health issues come up not too long ago, and when when you get and I, I know there's a lot of our older members who feel this way too, but when you get into this despairing, you know, spend half your life in a doctor's office clinic type of mode. You really think, well, if I just see this specialist, or if I just go to this guy, or I just do that, you just kind of get in this spin cycle. And uh, Tom actually is the one who just called me up, and he didn't just say, "Hey, Jesus loves you. I hope you figure it out." You know, um, he actually volunteered to bring us the Lord's Supper, and it was just what the doctor ordered. It was rest for our souls in person, um, just the the perfect thing to scratch the itch. And I guess just another way to illustrate that, maybe in this this I've used in sermons past, but remember when we were trying to sleep train our youngest daughter, Karina, she's uh, she's our third, and we affectionately call her our double dose of original sin, which we stole from Do- Deutschlander. But uh, the first night we tried to sleep train her was just brutal. She, that girl sat up in her crib literally from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m., She got woozy and tipsy through the night. She would not, she would not cave. She just would not lay down and she would scream at the top of her lungs like in a way that would make Steven Tyler jealous. But um, I mean, we'd we'd done the parenting thing, the sleep training thing before. So we weren't surprised. It was just, the thing is through the little crib camera throughout the night and the baby monitor, you could hear her desperate little pleas. She couldn't, she really couldn't, Uh, explain or even comprehend just how weary she was. But she knew there was only one person, one person who could provide the rest she so desperately needed. And of course, that was mama. Mama. Well, for you and me, for all of us, our own little worlds are just as desperate for actual, real rest. And Jesus, of course, is the only answer. And he the way he provides it is just, uh, so o- overwhelmingly powerful and so many levels, you know, the Lord's supper is just one that we've keyed in on a little bit today, but there's just beautiful, beautiful promise to unfold here. And, um, it, you know, it can, it can really strike a nerve with people depending on what's going on in their lives.
2: Excellent. Uh, Tom. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. Um, I just wanted to bring other things. We're still talking about the gospel in this section. And this isn't necessarily gospel, you know, to taking to the cross and stuff, but it's an observation about the gospel and the concept of grace. You have to see it in the text of how Jesus begins by saying, I thank you, Father. And then uh, Joel brought it out when he mentioned the text, but just how clear it is. You have hidden these things. You have revealed them. This was something that pleased you to do. And then given only to the one that the son chooses to give it to. So it just emphasizes as we're encouraging our people to cherish the rest, it, that it's just a gift. It's it's not what we would naturally come upon by digging into our own souls. It is an absolute gift and that we never deserved. And it was truly showing the heart of the father and the heart of the son who calls out, just come to me. It's a free gift.
0: Free gift. Yeah. That's why the invitation is extended. Uh, he knows we need it. He freely gives it. Uh, Joel, uh, additional thought?
3: Maybe just one additional thought kind of going off of what Tom just said, you know, just thinking, helping the people th- think, wow, I am, God has chosen you. I mean, here you are sitting here on a Sunday morning, um, hearing this, receiving this absolution, receiving the gospel. Um you know, that the father chose to reveal this to you. What a gift of his grace and mercy that, that you're here. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And even, you know, by way of application, um, this doesn't mean that your hectic stressful life is all, all of a sudden going to change. Um, but rather it's in the middle of all that, uh, as kind of the bedrock of everything, even as we're all racing around trying to accomplish, you know, the tasks that are in front of us, um, Here's one place where we can rest, and it's the most important place of all. You know, our connection to our God and Savior is one where He does the work, and says, "Just receive this gift and rest." Andy,
1: I agree with you, but and I I may just add too that as far as applications go, I mean, sometimes to get decent rest, you do have to change it up. Sometimes, you know, yeah, that's true too. You toss and turn for a more comfortable position. Maybe you need a new pillow or even a new mattress. Sometimes you just need a good crash on the couch. Well, for Christ and his promises, sometimes your life does need to change to be able to enjoy Jesus rest more. In other words, more regular connection with the means of grace mm-hmm. or less striving or redirecting your focus, whatever it might be.
0: Right, right. Good point. Point. Um, any uh, thoughts for theme, uh, theme ideas that you can share that would get the wheels turning for others? um tom well
2: i uh, like i said i I haven't really developed themes but i think i'm going to work with the whole concept of an invitation to from god to his people and uh you know i think of we sometimes throw out empty invitations and they're heartfelt but like i'm sorry for what you're going through If, if you need anything just give me a call i'll be happy to help is an invitation rooted in love but it's it's not super powerful but Here, Jesus just sees people struggling and he celebrates what God has done. And he said, you know, come to me. So this is a very meaningful, powerful invitation that has life-changing effects behind it. So um, that whole concept of invitation, I think, has to be part of it or can be part of it. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Andy?
1: I love that. I've got two, and that's that's the first direction I went to. And I just uh, expressed it this way. Come, restless heart come like a child for verses 25 and 27, enjoy true rest in verses 28 to 30. And then just a a much more simplistic theme, but that keys in on the parts with the the idea of the gift and the revealing by the father and the son. So the theme would be the best rest revealed by the father given by the son.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is simple, but it, it, it brings out the unique, uh, gospel truth of this text or the one that, that Jesus emphasizes. Um, Joel, any further ideas?
3: Um, again, my kind of, my thinking in kind of simple Jesus gives real rest. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe you think this is probably proper's nine. You're probably talking still the summer and people are on vacations and things like that. What do they, why do they go? It's often to get, I, I was pastor of an for a while up North and was Northern Wisconsin. So people came up there to kick back, um, But that isn't finally the real rest. What is it? The real rest that Jesus gives and then kind of parts who receives it. And there you go into the, uh, the the contrast between the wise and learned and the little children. Uh, and then what is that rest? So then describing it and, and delving into that.
0: Good. Tom. Um,
3: just wanted to share just a
2: scriptural context that might be valuable to a preacher. Um, Joel just talked about Manakwa rest. you know, the got to do a getaway there. There's such powerful application to modern Christians because even Christians get are very misguided on how to find peace and, and just escape from what they're wrestling with. And Psalm 55 verse 6, David says, um, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. And then as he kind of comes around, he says, but, you know, really my, my help comes from the Lord. And I just heard, you know, in that the common way of thinking, which is if I could just get away from the things that are dragging me down, but you take the guilt and you take the reality of your sin with you, no matter where you go. David flying away like a dove to find a better place was not going to help him escape from the anguish, which he said was in his heart and in his mind. And I think there's good application for modern Christians to say, you know, just doing a getaway every weekend doesn't bring you peace. Or getting away at night in a bottle doesn't bring you peace. You know, all those things that we search for when, um, you know, going back to Augustine, we only find rest in Christ. And I think there's good application because of the way Christians approach life in this casual age.
0: Yeah, when you mentioned, Tom, uh, we can't escape the anxiety, the burden that's there on our soul, uh, brings me back to Romans 7, the verses there too, where it's an internal thing. It, we we uh, look for kind of external remedies um, to give us rest, but when it's so deeply rooted, uh, only Christ can give a, a, a solution to that through the rest that he provides. Well, good. Any further uh, thoughts um, before we close today, brothers? Okay. All right. Well, we've given preachers uh, a lot of things to think about as they go about preaching this text. So I'll turn it over to them. Um, Enjoy proclaiming this gift of rest that we have in our Savior.